Yes, it's a super Sunday night here in Las Vegas. Welcome on into Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. It's Tim Unglesby with Ryan. And all the way over, three hours away in New York City, TomBartonSports.com. Mr. Tom Barton, the OGs are at it again tonight. Tommy, it's a, uh, I always look at the week after the Super Bowl. It's kind of a dead week in sports. And, and people are like, what are you talking about, man? When the All-Star game, the XFL kicked off. I, I, again, solidified what I just said, a dead week in sports. Yeah, you know, it's a, one of those funny weeks where normally when we sit back and we are going into late June um, and into July, even early, early August, we have times where we could talk a little potpourri, right? We, we could talk a little bit about things that bother us, sports talk-related topics, uh, you know, best quarterbacks. Let's talk about a, a baseball discussion of best center fielders ever, and we, we can have those discussions, fill up time, and weirdly, you know, the, the listeners absolutely love those generated kind of let's have fun topics. During the NFL season, you don't get an opportunity to do that, Tim, right? During the NFL season, it's too jam-packed. There's too much to do. Saturday night, we're previewing Sunday. Sunday night, we are going over what just happened, uh, you know, on Sunday. March Madness starts. Once March Madness starts, even the conference tournaments start, we're going to be talking nothing but college basketball, getting well into college basketball. After that, we have, you know, hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball is kicking off early on. So there's only a few times during the, the season when it's not the summer months where we can kind of have fun with the show and really go down our direction of, hey, what's on your mind? Let's have some fun. This is one of those weeks. It's one of the very few weeks that we do get to kind of have some fun with it. And while college basketball is in a good state right now, right? We have next weekend's kind of the final weekend before the push. Um, we will talk about some college basketball. NHL, sure. We're in the middle of the season. I think that on these airwaves, you probably get plenty of hockey talk. We could talk a little hockey. You guys want 876-1340. The NBA's at its all-star break. Um, I don't know many people that care about the all-star game, that watch the all-star game. The numbers say not many. And when you're at the all-star break, well, it's different than other sports. It's not reassessing and kind of making trades. All the big moves kind of happened last week. And Major League Baseball is about a month out, so we can talk about some early things with Major League Baseball. But overall, it's kind of a potpourri show. And I like these potpourri shows, Tim. I really enjoy when listeners write in over at HW Sports, over at Tom Barton Sports, over on Twitter, when listeners call in and when people text us and say, hey, you know what? What about this topic? And I like to just say, hey, Tim, what's on your mind? What's bugging you? we could talk about from a sports talk perspective. And I love to go down that rabbit hole. I don't remember, Tom, because I know we've been doing this show together over a decade, but I don't remember if you were on the on the show yet or if it was just me and Ronnie. When we'd save the last segment of the show, it used to be called Sports Potpourri, right? It would, we had our, our uh, schedule or... I remember it. Okay, yeah. Kind of, kind of takes us back here, and we're just going to encompass everything because you're right there's no huge headline that broke in the last 48 hours there's no uh like you said that march madness is the next big thing and we're still a month away from that so yeah what if if anybody wants to talk about anything 876-1340 at tom barton sports at hw sports we will we will do you know we'll, we'll open it up to anything and anything and i don't really have much to say about 
the NBA All-Star Game because, Tom, we're now going on season two of where I have not watched a minute of NBA pro basketball. And you know what? I think I'm honestly done with it, man. It sounds like you are. <laughs> it certainly sounds like you are. I'll tell you, I watched um, a little bit of the first quarter today. I, I, Me and you were talking, what are we going to talk about tonight? And I said, well, look, you know, something interesting happens. I, I want to take a look at what this is about. It was... <sighs> Now, I, 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 this is not a, a this is not to disparage women. I have to put that in front of it. But I did play by play for junior college basketball for two years. Okay, uh, women's basketball didn't didn't doesn't matter that it's women. Okay, but it was uh, just for factually accurate. This was worse than anything I experienced at the junior college level broadcasting games. Okay, worse. There was, I, I mean. People don't care. They just didn't care. And I could use that and say, you know what? My son plays uh, T-ball. But let, let, let me tell you something. In T-ball, they care, right? My son plays Little League. I have been coaching Little League. In Little League, they care. Uh, you know, my daughter's in gymnastics. In gymnastics, they care. It wasn't that. It's a junior college level basketball game that we watched today. To give you a little, a little frame of reference, Luca was on the court, mic'd up, basically just chuckling laughing, walking around the court. Um, guys weren't passing to him because, you know, he was on the microphone. They There was a point where they said, okay, look, you know, go, go back and play defense. And he outwardly chuckled at the idea of playing defense. I think the first quarter ended 49-46 or something to the like, and it wasn't that close. I mean, it, it's a hard watch. Look, look, the NFL and the Pro Bowl format that I, I don't like anymore, but the NFL looked at themselves and said, this is a joke. The Pro Bowl has become an absolute laughing stock, and we've got to move on. And they did it. Now, I don't agree with the direction that they did, but they did. The NBA has to look at themselves and say, this has become an absolute joke, and they have to move on. The game is not any kind of basketball that you would think. And I bring up the junior college women's level basketball only because they didn't play defense. Right. I mean, I did those games and they just didn't they didn't care to play defense. It was all about shooting um, and, and just taking shots. They didn't care to play defense and neither did the NBA players tonight. It was an atrocious display of basketball being played out there because there was no defense at all. And don't tell me LeBron taking threes from midcourt or Giannis breaking his wrist on a, a dunk is exciting. No, it's not. Not when no one is near you. No one is in your face. Of the few minutes that I watched him, there's a play early on where LeBron was going in for a dunk and he banked it off the backboard himself and dunked it. The only thing is DeMar DeRozan, who I, I believe it was DeMar DeRozan was under the rim, ran out of the shot because he didn't want to be in the picture of LeBron dunking. That's legitimately what was out there and on display. So when I tell you you have not missed an NBA game in two years, even though you haven't seen an NBA game in two years, Tim, I am telling you, you certainly didn't miss anything tonight. Our fellow colleague in the uh, sports radio business has been around a while, Tommy, you know him, JT the Brick. He even blasted, blasted the NBA tonight over on that Twitter situation. And he said, kind of like you did, he said that the game reminded him of the last NFL Pro Bowl before they canceled it. That's, that's what I would think. And, and look, Anybody can say whatever, oh, well, you haven't even watched a game in two years. I don't need to watch a game because this has been happening for well more than two years. 
And the fact now that it's just become a joke, just like you said, just like JT said, they, they need to do something different. And they're not going to. You know why, Tom? Because I guarantee it was sold out. I guarantee that they made money off of this. And that's just the direction they're going to go. And it's unfortunate. And the thing that kills me about it, and, and again, I didn't watch a second of this. I, I was looking at some uh, gallery pictures. You have players, Tommy, ooing and eyeing over the dunk competition at three point. Like, really? You guys are ooing and eyeing over. The, if I was in the NBA current form today, if I was a player in the NBA, you know exactly what you're doing out there. And that's just to A, put the ball in the hole as many times as you can, run up your stats and make highlights. That that's all you're doing anymore. So these guys are ooing and eyeing, no defense. Kind of says a lot about what happened to this sport. Here's the thing, Tim, and this is going to sound like a, a an overreaction, and it's going to sound like I'm trying to be funny, and I'm not. It wasn't all that different than watching the first three quarters of an NBA game regularly. Mm. The first three quarters of an NBA game nowadays, nobody wants to be posterized. Nobody wants to get up in someone's face. Nobody wants to play defense. None at all. It has become a sport where who can score the most points is not – the obvious, well, whoever scores the most points wins. It's, no, I don't care. I'm going to get my points. I'm going to get my contract. Run up and down the court. Is it the fourth quarter? Okay, I don't care yet. Is it the playoffs? Okay, I don't care yet. Is it late in the season to a playoff push? I don't care yet. I've made this claim before, and I've said it, I'll say it again. I used to say all the time that the NBA needs to shorten their schedule and opening day should be Christmas Day because there's just not enough caring going on in the league. Well, I've, I've de- reduced that. I think that they can't even start until after New Year's now. The NBA schedule, 80-plus games, those days are gone. They are load-managing guys anyway, Tim, right? I mean, you're not getting you're not getting you, you, 80 games out of your top players. You're just not. You're getting 60, 65. So why not just do everybody a favor? Reduce the number to 60 games. Cut 22 games off the schedule, reduce the number to 60 games. Let's go down the road that would improve the sport. Because what we saw tonight isn't really that far off. It was an extreme, but it isn't really all that far off in what the NBA has devolved into. What's sad is that I'm a Celtics fan. You were a Celtics fan. This is probably in my and from just looking at records and stats with Tatum and Brown and this is this is the year right Tom this is probably their best shot at winning a title and I won't watch it just like I didn't watch the finals last year against Golden State what can they do if they really wanted to bring it back what could they do Tom and I don't you know I, I'm I must be in the minority like you because we feel a certain way but other people think we're crazy that we talk about it this way and what do you do? Do you move the three-point line back? Do you make do you? Yes, yes. Every everything you're going to say, move the three-point line back. Raise the rim two feet. Yeah, move yeah. the court. Extend the court another twenty feet. Yeah, all of these things. All of all of the things um, that that need to be done. Look, when you are looking at the NBA and, and in all sports, and you know this is a hot topic for me, people that talk about. Well, you know what? Babe Ruth couldn't hit a uh, a 90-mile-per-hour fastball nowadays. No, 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 look. Everybody, every athlete is bigger, stronger, faster. They have better equipment. They have all these, these other things, okay? So we're not taking the time machine and taking an old guy and putting him here. But if we're going to go with that theory that that it, it is every athlete, and I, I, 
think it's honestly obvious. Every athlete is bigger, stronger, faster, right? If you want to agree with that, and everybody that is an NBA defender will say they're the best athletes, the biggest, strongest, right? Most athletic, oh, okay, okay, sure. Then why haven't you changed your court? Why haven't you changed the dimensions? You could say, well, baseball didn't. Sure they did. Baseball moves in in the the fences, moves out the fences. Baseball has taken away the the sidelines, the foul territory. Baseball has, has lowered the mound risen the mound. They've done these things, right? Baseball has done many things. They've outlawed certain kind of bats. They've done this. Why? Players are bigger, stronger, faster. The NFL, you can say, well, the field dimensions are the same. Yeah, they are. But guess what? The equipment is very different, right, Tim? I mean, the equipment is different. You still have giant guys going after giant guys, but now they're lighter, they're faster. Uh, The equipment protects them a little bit better. Yeah, they change. The only sport that's out there that You're still playing with generally the same exact basketball other than sneakers being the same, Uh, you know, a little bit different, obviously a lot different in some cases, right? Other than the sneakers being different, there's been no changes to the sport. Rim, still exact same height. Court, still same distance. Three-point line, it's the only thing we added it a long time ago. You got to move the three-point line back. You got to raise the rim. You got to extend the court. Do that and you're going to get new people in. But more than any of that, Tim... It's the hand checking, man. You know, it's the defense. You cut off you cut off people's legs, and we see it in the NFL. So it's not just a, um, a an NBA problem. You cut off people's legs, uh, matter of factly speaking, uh, to play more offense. People want points, 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 points. You want points? Oh, you got to have points. Oh, you got to have points. Well, you know, it, it fundamentally changes the game. And what you see now is that everyone's a three point shooter or a dunker. There's no mid range game. The guys that have the mid-range game that are coming in are the Euro guys, and they're dominating the league. They're dominating the league because they're playing a style of basketball that the court is designed to be played at. The court is designed for a mid-range game, not for an outside shooting slam dunk range. So, yeah, you know, a star player that we could get behind, not a villain like LeBron, that would help, sure. Um, having your your best players be American born. This is nothing against Giannis, who everybody knows is my favorite player right now. Nothing against the Joker, who's probably my second favorite player right now, or Luca, probably my third favorite player right now. Nothing against them, but I just rattled off the three best players in basketball, and they're all not American speaking. They're not Native American, uh, meaning American born, not Native American in the, in the context that we're talking about. Uh, but hockey showed to have that problem, right? Canadian born players just didn't relate. Well, the NBA has some of that. So, yes, putting them on, getting a, a good guy that we all want to root for, not LeBron James, who's a bad guy, right? He's the, he's the villain. Getting a good guy in the face of your league, yeah, that would help. Getting guys that are American-born that you, you can root for, yeah, that would help. Having guys stay longer in college so you get adapted to them, going to the Final Four and starting to root for them, that would all help. But I don't think anything's going to help the actual gameplay unless they fix the court dimensions conducive with the ridiculous athleticism that we're seeing now. Can we close the book on the NBA talk for tonight, Tom? Yeah. Only to say, uh, you guys know me, you know how much I, you know, I bet on big games. I I bet a lot tonight, Tim, I'm sitting there and I was like, you know, I'm just going to do the contrarian play. I threw 50 bucks on Giannis just because I hate LeBron and I won at like (laughs) plus 125. So, (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's like it's like a Chili's dinner somewhere in my future here. Well, our guy Jason Tatum, you can thank him for that, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. I well, I 
again, I only saw the first uh, first quarter. I watched almost the entirety of the first quarter, and uh, and I turned off and I, I yeah I'm checking my phone every now and then. Tatum forty four. I, I would have been cool if I saw any of that. <laughs> I, I saw literally none of it. Tim and Tom tossing around the pigskin here, and in a figurative sense, as we're doing a little sports potpourri on Heatwave Sports tonight. Since uh, we're talking about uh, niche sports, what about the XFL, Tommy, the opening weekend? And uh, I don't know, man. Like, I so desperately really want there to be another football league. It doesn't have to be NFL caliber, but, you know, because we, we see a lot of great college players, or at least we think their their college, their ability in college never translates over to that professional level. And it's, sometimes it's fun to watch these other leagues and guys you remember, or even NFLers that have kind of fallen off, either trying to fight their way back or they're hanging on, right? And, and you know what? It's football because I, I saw something that said with the new leagues coming, with the new league, the XFL, the USFL is about to kick off again, that literally every weekend there was going to be some type of football up until the start of the NFL season again. And look, just curious because I was a fan of the initial XFL. I was not a fan of the second edition. I thought it was it was poorly poorly done. And now we have the third one, and the big face behind that being Dwayne Johnson. Did you watch any of this? Did you follow any of it? Any thoughts on the the third edition of the XFL? Yeah, a little bit of it. Uh, I I stayed away from betting, even though I wanted to bet Seattle. I wanted to bet Seattle just because you know. I have a soft spot in my heart for June Jones. You know, I wanted to bet him um, and, and I didn't. And I, when I looked up, I think it was like nine, nothing, you know, uh, and I, and Wade Phillips, I've had Wade Phillips on the show a couple of times. Wade Phillips has always been really good uh, to sports garden network. And he's always been good to me with his time um, as has, uh, you know, a few of these coaches, you know, they, they've been very good to me over their, their coaching careers. So I wanted to go check it out a little bit. I saw a little bit of that Houston. Bob Stoops I've had on the show a few times. You know, I didn't quite get to to, to see a lot with him. Uh, but Wade Phillips, I wanted to go see. I wanted to see June Jones. And I like some of the changes they have. Um, I do like instead of Cook kicking it on fourth down, I think it's an interesting concept. They have eliminated the extra point, kicking the extra point. You know, it's an interesting thing. You get one point. And I could be wrong here, um, uh, but I, I think I got it down. You get one point after a touchdown. You get one point from the two-yard line, two points from the five-yard line, or three points from the 15-yard line. So, kind of cool, you know? I mean, I've always been a guy – oh, my goodness, I'm going to get the hate now from the kickers. I've always been a guy that thought the, the extra point, kicking the extra point, was just so boring. Right? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. And the NFL knows. We're all tuning out at that point. All right, he made it. Here, here you go. Um, so, so I, I kind of like that. I kind of like some of the innovations. And like you said, the first time Vince McMahon stood out there and came out with these in- innovations, people chuckled, people laughed. And now the NFL is using them, especially on the production side of things, right? People are using the spider cam and, and things like that. Uh, I think that that's what's good for the XFL. The one thing I will say is this, while you could watch a little bit of it and I did, and it's fast moving games. And from a betting perspective last year, I, I did okay. Because I just bet the under every game, and they were putting out 44, 45 point unders, and they were barely hitting 20 points. Now it's 34, 35 for all the over unders. It's a fast moving game. 
It's quick. There's some innovation. There's some coaches that you root for. Uh, but the style of play, Tim, is just ouch. I mean, it. there is a such a gap. And I'm not even talking about from the NFL. I'm talking about from college football. I watch a lot of college football, right? And I, I can tell you, I am an advocate for the Ivy Leagues. I love Ivy League football. I absolutely love it. I think it's a cleaner game, a better game. The rules are a little bit different. I love it. But I watch the Ivy League football game, and I watch Alabama against Auburn, and you can see the clear jump. Well, this is less than Division One football. These players that are playing uh, are, are executing worse than what I see. They are Ivy League caliber football. They are a second team. Uh, like I said, I broadcast for junior college. I, I did the Empire State Games, junior college uh, Super Bowl out here. It's about that level a little bit better. It's it's do not expect the NFL, but it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. And I think that that's what it's going to take from it. Again, I, I flipped around. I didn't concentrate on one game. I saw enough uh, of, of the games to say, hey, it could be a cool concept. Just don't think it's going to suck me in where I'm going to be a fan. I'm going to be a constant watcher. If it's on, I'll leave it on, but I'm not flipping the channel to it. There, there are names that are recognizable names. You said it. coaches, we know all of them. All of them have an NFL-type background, or at least a, a big-time college background. Uh, recognizable names as players, like we said, especially if you follow the NFL intricately. You see some names you remember. Austin Prohl had a big game today or a big fourth quarter in that St. Louis win at San Antonio, right? If you know Austin Prohl, you know you know the brother and you know the NFL. I'm just to state an example, right? Um I like the city placement. I think they I think they did a much better job this time around than Vince did part two. And I'm willing to give it a chance because I like football. I like to watch it. I like to see the names. But I think you have to temper, like you said, temper the expectations and just kind of develop what this is becoming. And I think in week one we saw, like you said last year, in the last uh, time this season, the last time the XFL played, there were it was just poor offense. I wouldn't say there was poor offense this week. It was just, you know what it looked like? It looked like a lot of the chemistry wasn't there yet. They're just gelling it together. And what I really noticed, Tommy, and I know you'll love this this uh, this point I'm about to make because you're a huge offensive line guy. It looked like some of these teams, you remember that movie with Adam Sandler, the longest, the remake, the longest yard when he, when he was building his team and the offensive line, they basically were just letting the, the guards run right through it the whole time. That's what I, I saw a lot in this game is that that part of it's not up to where the defensive line is or, or the linebackers. So we see where the discrepancy is. We see where the weaknesses are. Let's see what these guys, the coaches can do to fix this. But I, you know what? I, th- I think the games are exciting. Like you said, the the one in San Antonio today, nice crowd for that game and a, a hell of a comeback by St. Louis. If you watched it, unbelievable how fun that was to watch. They are faster paced games because the clock just continuously moves unless it's in the last two minutes. I think instead of an onside kick, Tommy, you can do a fourth down play, fourth and 15, which they converted on and ended up winning the game. So, yes, there are positives about it. No, don't expect the NFL part two. But as you said, it can be fun to watch. And let's see what happens, right, man? Let's just be fair about it. The USFL, which is starting up again here soon, Tom, I don't know about that, though. Here's the thing, you know. The NFL, look, it's going to do okay ratings, right? I mean, it's going to do okay. My my problem is this, is that on a day like today, 
where you're trying to grab a sports fan. You're going up against the Genesis Open. You're going up against college basketball still. If this kicked off after March Madness, Tim, you know, early April, I know they're going up against baseball, but I think you might get okay ratings then. For me as a sports fan, you're trying to grab me, right? The, ca- the, the casual sports fan is going to gravitate towards, you know, the NBA All-Star game. But you're trying to get me. You're trying to get me a sports fan. Give me something new so I could start to jump on board. You're not pulling me away on a, a Sunday afternoon or, you know, a Saturday afternoon specifically, but you're not pulling me away on a Sunday afternoon from watching college basketball if there's a big game on. It wasn't a huge game today, but I was flipping back and forth. There was a couple of games on college basketball. Uh, you're not getting me to go away from, you know, the Blackhawks as plus 400 underdogs against Toronto, flipping back and forth to that game. You know, the XFL is a game is a, a sport at this point where you're you're hoping that someone's flipping through the dial and they, they stay on yours for an excitement caliber kind of situation. Because you're not stealing me away from hockey. You're not stealing me away from college basketball. You're not stealing most people away from, you know, uh, the Genesis Open. You're, you're not stealing people away, even from the NBA All-Star game. So you're digging for scraps there. And digging for scraps, you better put out a real good product so when somebody is flipping during that commercial break, they go, you know what, I'm going to stay with this. I don't know if they have that. Yeah, I don't know if they have that either. <clears throat> you know what they need to have is money. To, to absorb what the losses are going to be in. And maybe somewhere down the line, Tom, there there is a connection that the NFL will will make with them. But You know what they need to know. do, Tim? What they really, truly need to do is they really have to kind of connect pro teams with those teams or college teams with those teams and, and go that route or go hardcore gambling route. I mean, look, I, I know obviously I'm a little biased in, in that respect, right? But if you get guys that feel like that they, they're they understanding the game, they kind of have an insight, they're making money on the game, oh, here we go, it's a good betting situation. All your betting, uh, we'll say, we'll say ideas, test out in the XFL. If I was the XFL, I'd be doing, I would go crazy with gambling. Why? Because if you hook them, well, you could hook people and go, oh, wait, wait a minute, I was watching intently. Because I had this prop play or this weird play or this play. And then you start to watch it and you go, oh, actually, this is a pretty good product. I know it would hook me like that. I went out there and it's not even listed. You know, I have like the CBS Sports app and I have the ESPN app. It's not even listed at the top. It was hard to find scores. It was hard to go. I I have six different apps for sports betting that, that are in the United States. And six apps, it's hard to find the XFL, you know. So you can bet on it. You could go through the hoops, but if they did that, I think that that would hook people also. It's hard to find uh, box scores too. I mean, it, it, I don't get it. It if you if you go to ESPN, right, the most uh, traveled web page for sports, really, when you look at it, and they do have a section for the XFL. They do have scores. But you can't click on any certain team, and, and there's no box score, which is, is for nerds out there, especially. It's, a, it's a, that would be a turnoff. So yeah, the, the identity. I mean, I guess it's a work in progress. But look, we've we've seen league after league try to do this. It usually just comes down to if they can't make money, how long can they hold on before somebody runs comes in to save them? But 
I don't know. We'll see. You know, here in a local sense, Tom, the Vegas Vipers play their first home game Saturday night against uh, Washington, D.C., and that'll be over at Cashman Field. It'll be the only game on Saturday in the XFL. But it's on ESPN Plus and FX. Do you even know what channel FX is, Tom? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> tough, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you look at – I know you say it's about money, but I think money will come if, if they get the hook and they get the product and they get the people. You know, uh, you know, Oklahoma Sooners, for example, should have been going crazy for the Bob Stoops, you know, re-coming into there. Uh, they, they, they should have, uh, you know, for Orlando, they should have had, you know, Tampa Bay or Jacksonville, some of the, some of the players, Trevor Lawrence, you know, saying he's going down there to watch some games. That would be fun. Or, or, you know, Todd Bowles going, ah, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go you know, scout, scout some out, see if I can find some talent. It's, it's they're not ready for that, obviously, but that would get people invested. Just like minor league, you know, baseball. It's a niche area. College World Series. College World Series is one of the best products that you could put out on a sports field. It is one. Of, it is a fantastic product. They have a hard time growing. When they start to grow, is when they have elite people that might go in the top ten, and you go, oh wait a minute, oh hold on. I'm the uh, the Baltimore Orioles. I'm picking number three. I want to go watch the College World Series because I want to see the guy that maybe Baltimore's going to draft. And then you watch it and you go, hey, this is a pretty good product. They need that hook to get people to watch because I think the product can survive, but they need that hook to get people there. Tommy Barton, Tim Unglesby, Ryan with you here on a Super Sunday night. Time for our first short, short break. We return... We're going to go to the college basketball side of it. Lots to digest here as we encroach a month away from March Madness. That and more here on Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. It's just strange. Grown men wearing jerseys with another man's name on it. Like, are you in jail? Are you his bitch? It's just... Right. Kind of like that one? That's different because it's in a frame. Now back to Heatwave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. Three weeks away, Tom Barton from Selection Sunday. <clears throat> one of the one of the most watched non-athletic sports shows you can you can pull up on the on the uh, the old boob tube there. But it's always fun to see where everybody goes. So the, you're on three week in this next three weeks. Let's put it that way. It's going to be crazy. It's already started to get crazy. You're going to get the conference tournaments next, including I think there's. Five out here in Las Vegas in a couple weeks' time, and then we'll lead into that show, which then leads into the madness that is March and the, the the brackets, everybody's favorite part of the spring, the brackets. So as we get down to this nitty-gritty, and, and you brought it up off-air, and I sent you a little, little uh, somebody made a nice little graphic that when you look at continuity from year to year and you look at you you know again players that have you've watched since they were their freshmen june sophomore juniors even the ones that stayed for the fourth year what's the last thing you remember well the last thing i remember was kansas and bill self and how we we said he had progressed into the next level with another title and how north carolina played a spirited championship game tommy with a new coach and hubert davis so we fast forward to a year later almost 
Kansas is doing great. 22 and five, first place in the Big 12. UNC, not so great, Tom. And, and I think that's the thing with collegiate sports, especially in the basketball side of it, is doesn't matter like who, who you recruit. doesn't matter where you started the season. And UNC was ranked number one to open the season. They may not make the tournament now. And I think that, you know, we were talking about in segment one, something that, that grabs an audience. And I get that, look, there's historical uh, f- franchises or, or programs here that we follow year to year, the, the college atmosphere. But just knowing that it's not always it's what it seems. And, and I think North Carolina is a perfect example, Tommy. They blow a lead today. They lose again. Oh, and nine, zero and nine against top quad what they call quad teams, so tournament teams, right? We could be seeing a team go from basically the penthouse right into the outhouse in, in less than one year's time. They should absolutely not make the tournament, Tim. I, I, unless they win the ACC championship, you know, the, the, they should not. They, they absolutely shouldn't. It's, it's crazy to me that we're even talking about this because the reality is, is that there's not a good team. I mean, I, look, they have names. You know, Baycock, you know, you know, Leaky Black. You, they have the names. They are a bad basketball team, a bad basketball team right now. They they had an opportunity today. It was basically a a win, and you have a, a resume, right? I mean, North Carolina State's a top 25 team. You're going to beat them twice. Win, and you have a res- resume. Lose, and you are out of the bracket. I mean, that is basically what it was. All the pregame shows are saying that before time. North Carolina has an opportunity. We're back and forth. They were down a lot of the game, but they get back into this game. North Carolina State goes on a 15-3 run with in about a five-minute period late in the game and just the end. I mean, and that was it. UNC, you just saw them sulking. They were done. I mean, it it, it, it was over for them. It was over really, really quick, quickly for North Carolina. And I'm telling you, if they didn't have the idea that, yes, they were supposed to be good and they were supposed to be number one overall and they are the Carolina Tar Heels, if they didn't have that moniker attached to them, Tim, we wouldn't be talking about this. They're 16 and 11, Tim. Their best win is who? Who is their best win? Ohio State, Michigan? Back in early December, both at home, by the way. I don't know if I'm counting that, right? Uh, who's their best win outside of that? Oh, North Carolina State? Yeah, at home, and then you just lost this one. They haven't had a road win worthwhile all year long. They have now lost at the end of the year, you know, that late season push. They've now lost five of the last six games. They have Notre Dame at Notre Dame. That's not going to be an impressive win. Virginia at home. Okay, you take down number seven, Virginia at home on next Saturday. Maybe, but even then, I don't think it's enough. At Florida State, they're a garbage team. And then at home against Duke. No matter what, you're going into the tournament or you're going into the resume with North Carolina without one impressive road win all year. You've done all of your damage at home. Taking down Virginia is your only – first of all, they got to go 4 and up. I don't think that they could go even three and one. I see some sites saying three and one. They have to go four and zero, oh, take down Virginia, and then you got to go into the ACC tournament. And I, I even after four and zero, oh, I still think you got to win two round, two games, maybe three. So again, if this wasn't North Carolina, we would not be talking about a sixteen and eleven team that has no road wins and has just lost 
or five of the last six games. We wouldn't even be having a conversation about them. Eastern Carolina, we are having a conversation about them. To me, North Carolina Orioles, you're not making the tournament. You know who else is 16 and 11, Tom? You know me. Yeah. You know me. Yeah. <laughs> and I get it. Look, I'm being funny. And it, it and if you know me and, and you agree with us, you think it's funny because we could do a two hour show on the on just the garbage that you know he puts out there. But yeah, you know, look, here's my thing on it, Tommy. If they go two and two, they go into the tournament with 18 wins and they make it to the finals of the AC, of the ACC tournament. They're going to put them in, man. They're going to put them in. Why? Because that draws viewers. That's what. what it wait, is. wait. What do you think they have to do? No, no, no. What do you think they have to do? They're 16 and 11. They have four games left, right? Yeah. If they would split those two games, 18 and 13, and they win three games to get to the finals of the ACC tournament, they put them over 20 wins, 21 and, and what, 15, 21 and 14, 21 and 15, they'll put them in. Watch. No, not unless they beat – no, no. No way, man. Not, that, no. I'm not saying I agree they, with they it. They have I'm to beat Virginia. They have to beat Virginia. That's got to be one of their two wins. If you're looking for – what do we talk about on Selection Sunday? The the we always talk about the teams that get screwed and the teams that shouldn't be there. I would I would be able to sit here in three weeks' time on this show at this exact moment, Tom, and say I told you so, man. I didn't say I agree with it, but if they find a way to somehow squeeze into the ACC finals with with over twenty wins, I I bet you they put them in just because that's what we've seen over the years, man. I'm re- I'm I'm working this out in my head because I was convinced. I'm telling you, I think they have to go four and zero, and they got to win a game or two in the ACC. Now, so you're saying they go to the ACC title game? Okay, all right. They go two and two. They have to knock off Virginia. I'll give you three and one, Tim. I'm not giving you two and two. I'll give you. They go three and one, and then they get to the championship game. They'll put them in, but they got to knock off Virginia. Virginia next Saturday is their season because I don't care. They go three and one, and they lose that that game to Virginia. Tim, they haven't beaten a top twenty-five team all year. I don't think you could do it. And I'll tell you what, I was watching the pregame show today, um, and I wish I could give credit where credit is due, and I'm sorry, I can't. I, I, I want to say it was Joe Lenardi, but I don't want to – I'm not positive about this. Uh, but the exact words, and I wrote it down, and I didn't give credit to the person that said it, but the exact – because I want to bring it up on the show. Exact words were, the ACC this year has a worse power ranking than the Mountain West Conference. As literally his words on TV today. And I think it might have been Joe Lenardi. So – the ACC doesn't hold as much credibility. I, I know what you're saying. I know it. Uh, but I think you – I will give you three and one, but you still have to take down Virginia. You cannot lose to Virginia. You can't. You can't do that. And then I, I do think it depends on who do you beat in the tournament. I mean, you go out there and you beat Clemson in the first round and, and Boston College in the second round. You know, that's not going to do it. But if you go out there and you beat Virginia Saturday and then you take down, you know, Virginia again – or, or, or an NC State in the tournament, uh, you know, ACC tournament. Okay, that I could kind of give you. But I, I still think it has to be three and one, and I think th- one of those three wins has to be Virginia. No, I, I don't want them in there, period. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I see how the I've watched it with my own two eyes year after year after year. Look, I, I don't want Duke in there either, man. Oh, Duke, yeah, Duke I, shouldn't go. They have a better. I think they obviously have a better resume than a 16-win North Carolina team, but they're not at 19 and eight. 
their their early season schedule is padded for Shire. There's no doubt about that. But look, the ACC is going to get two, four, six, what? At least seven, seven bids, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing with Duke. I'm going to make the resume for Duke. You know, I don't like them. Okay, I'm going to make the resume for Duke though, right? They did beat Xavier on the road. Okay, um, they have an Ohio State at home win. They have an Iowa at home win. So, so they have, you know, some. They, they, I mean, they they don't have a good road record either. They lost Virginia, lost to Miami. They they lost, you know, their big even in the early season lost to Kansas on the road, lost to Purdue on the road. But they have Iowa. They have uh, they have Ohio State. They have Iowa. They did go to Xavier. They already have 19 wins. They're going to beat Louisville, you know, tomorrow. They're going to spank them. That'll give them 20. They should beat Virginia Tech. And then NC State, North Carolina. I mean, they'll go 3-1. They'll be in. But even if they go 2-2, yeah. Two two, yeah, Duke's going to make it. They're, look, they're, for me, my business, TomBartonSports.com, I can't wait to bet against them come tournament time. I think they're a very weak team. Uh, but but they'll make it. But even them, look, their resume is is weak. It's a weak resume. The entire ACC is weak. It really is. Um, Virginia's a good team. Miami's a good team. NC State's a good team. None of them. And I did my brackets today. You know, on the bracketology, kind of what I, I who I think. None of them are sniffing a Final Four. None of them are sli- sniffing an Elite Eight. None of them is sniffing a Sweet 16. That's where I'm at with the ACC. And you guys know I've carried the ACC flag on this station for sure for the last 11, 12 years, right? I mean, I've been Mr. ACC. I don't see any of them doing any damage. Virginia has too many question marks. Miami, I completely don't believe in at all. And NC State, it's a nice little story, but let's be honest. NC State's not getting into the Sweet 16. You brought up Louisville, man. Did you ever think you'd see a day where you Louisville would be four and twenty-three? Like wow. Oh, four and twenty-three, and all they keep talking about is how much time the coach is putting into the lot, you know, into <laughs> practice, into that locker room, how great the coach is. Okay. Guys, we do realize he's four and twenty-three, right? Like <laughs> that's all they do is talk about how great the coach is. Guys, they're four and twenty-three. Tim, I don't know if you saw I, I want to touch another blue blood here. I don't know if you saw what happened this weekend um with Kentucky. Kentucky's a team that has been dead and buried twice now, right? Twice we have buried Kentucky. They're done. They're nobody. That's it. You know, it's it's over for Kentucky. The season, they can't cut, catch up with this. It, it That's it. I mean, what are we going to do, Tim, right? I mean, Kentucky, they had, they had their shot, and that's that. And you look at what Kentucky just did. They have saved their season twice by beating up on Tennessee. They have two wins on the season against Tennessee. You look at Kentucky, they have 18 wins on the season. So it's not a you know a bad year for them. Um, they went on the road early against Michigan, but ha- they lost quite a few. They lost to UCLA, which was a test. They lost to Gonzaga, which was a test. They lost to Michigan State, was a test. Um, you know, losing to Alabama. They lost to, to Arkansas. They even lost to Georgia. But they have saved their season, beating Tennessee twice. They are an interesting team. And then the other blue blood that this weekend really impressed me was Kansas. Did you happen to catch the Kansas game on Saturday? I had no money on the game. But if you guys want to talk about an, a tremendous basketball game, can you talk about these two different halves? Baylor led at one point in this game in the first half by 20 points. They were up 45-32 going into the half. 
Kansas put up 55 in the second half, Tim. Blew their doors off. 55 points in a half against Baylor, who is a legitimate Final Four team. I got to tell you, I'm really impressed with Kentucky and Kansas this weekend. You think the Big 12 is the best conference in basketball? Six teams in the top By far. It's not. Before the year, and you guys can go check this out on YouTube, I always give my, my preseason previews. I said it won't even be close. The Big 12 will be by far the best conference in America. Uh, that has held absolutely true. Absolutely true. I, I, I don't even know if there's a good second. You know, the ACC is garbage. The Big Ten is not close. Um, Pac-12 is certainly not even in the conversation. The SEC, maybe. The Big East, maybe. The Big 12 is so far and beyond everything that we have right now. It reminds me of the what the ACC was 10 years ago, where – when I'm sitting there and I'm going to be filling out my brackets soon, right? I'm going, I'm going. Yeah, you know what? If I fill out my brackets, let, let, let's see something. What are we going to do, right? I'm going to go. Can I? Can I have three or even four teams in my final four from the Big Twelve? Right now, Kansas, Texas, Baylor, Kansas State, all can be final four teams. I wouldn't count out Iowa State. I wouldn't count out TCU. Oklahoma State's good. West Virginia's good. Heck, Texas Tech has 15 wins. You're looking at Oklahoma's the worst team in this conference at 3-11. and 11. They got 13 wins on the year. I think we can we can have a year where we see two or three Big 12 teams in the Final Four. Yeah, I think these conference tournaments are going to be outstanding. SEC, Big 12 are the ones that I've circled as – you can't even really call them upsets per se, right, Tom? Because if – take the Big 12, for instance. If Does it Iowa's, really matter? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't because you're just you. You kind of want to if uh, West Virginia can knock off a Kansas early in a Big Twelve tournament, it does nothing but good for that conference because Kansas is going. They're already in, right? But West Virginia, that that win could bump them into a tournament spot, and you can say the same thing in the SEC. How deep it is, and how how good these games have been. I mean, um, I think this year we're going to see a lot of the power conferences and that's why we go back to my original statement with the ACC not that I think it's warranted but if if somebody said uh, ACC's down like you just did Tommy and I said you think they'll still get seven teams in you're not going to be 100% no you know how it works sometimes man so you start taking sixes and sevens out of all these conferences guess who gets left behind Tom the mid-majors yeah yeah I I I hope not. I, I mean, there's a, there's quite a few mid-majors out there this year that, it, you know, we're sitting there at 20-plus wins looking really good. I just don't want them to kind of be on the outside looking in. I think they have a chance this year, though, because the Pac-12 is so bad and the ACC is down, right? And, and the Big Ten, I mean, honestly, it, it's having a real down year also. The Big Ten is an interesting one. I'm giving credit where credit is due. Well, how about Northwestern today? Another underdog win. No matter what this team does, nobody believes in Northwestern. They are, I would say, undoubtedly the best team in the Big Ten right now. And nobody's buying into them. You could say Purdue, who's, I get it, number three in the country. I just haven't liked what I've seen in Purdue. Purdue, Northwestern, Indiana. Your Maryland will make the tournament. Iowa, Rutgers, maybe Illinois. 
Michigan State, Michigan. I mean, it'll be deep, but I don't see any of them making a big run. Anybody really believe in Painter and, and Purdue to make a deep run? Absolutely not. So, you know, you, you start to kind of chisel away at the real true competitors. I'm not talking about teams that'll make it. I'm talking about the real true competitors. Eliminating the Pac-12, no one's buying it. You're really buying it to UCLA again? No. Buying it to UCLA? No. Arizona? No. You go to Big Ten. Are you buying it to Northwestern Purdue? Come on. We learned our lesson from Purdue. No. Cross those out. SEC? I mean, look at what you just saw in Tennessee this week. Ouch. Kentucky's not putting it all together. You go to the Big East, maybe a, maybe a Creighton or a UConn, maybe. Even that's a little far-fetched. All, ACC, I just told you, all eyes point back to the Big 12, don't they? Mm-hmm. But that is that is the problem with the conference tournaments, though, Tim. Oftentimes, they are meaningless. You know, they are really, like you said, the best team winning it actually hurts the conference. They are meaningless conference wins. It would be better for the ACC for, like, Clemson to take this rather than Virginia. It would be better for uh, the Big Ten for Maryland to take it and secure their bid. It would be better for the Pac-12 for a USC to take it. You know, for example, it's that's the problem with the conference tournaments. I like the, the conference tournaments. I do. I really enjoy them. But on the whole, most of them are, eh. You know, the the power five, I should say. Most of them are, eh. Who cares? Unless you have a UNC or Duke securing their bid, who cares? I mean, who cares? If you're it's a one-seater or two seed. It's dollars and cents, right? Because we all yeah. know at the end of the day, uh, the conference tournament brings in money to the respective city that it's hosted in. We also know that at the end of the day, part two, you make the NCAA tournament time, you get a piece of that cash. So seeing a team like, uh, I would assume they're in regardless, but just let's just say Iowa State's on the bubble, right? They're 2016 wins. Say they get beat in the first round of the, of the conference tournament. They're probably not going to make it, but if they make a run like they've done in years past, with old TJ there, Mr. UNLV, TJ Otzelberger, they make that run, Tom. They're costing somebody a spot. We see it year after year. It's just, I think this year, what I just have the feeling. I just I have the feeling that you're going to see a lot more power schools in this field of 68 or whatever it is now. And that means somebody has to get left behind. And we already know who that's going to be, Tom. We already know it's going to be a team that's a 20-plus win team that somehow doesn't win their conference tournament. And they get screwed. Ugh. That's it's what's going to happen. We see it every year, but I think it'll be magnified this year. I hope you're wrong. I hope teams like FAU and Charleston, uh, you know, and Oral Roberts, they've done enough. I hope that they've done enough to secure their spot, even if they don't win their conference tournament. But I fear that you you are probably right. You know, I fear that you are <laughs> sitting there and you're probably you're probably right, Tim. I just uh, I worry about the FAUs of the of of the world. I worry about you know the the teams that like an Oral Roberts twenty five wins, a North Texas with twenty three wins, Liberty with twenty two. I worry about these teams. Charleston with twenty six. You know Sam Houston has twenty. I worry about these teams sitting home with their twenty five wins. Drake. With 22, Drake and Belmont, you know what I mean? Like, they, they, they play each other. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, have the Southern Miss got their 24 wins. Not going to matter. I, and I, I hate that about college basketball. If I were these conferences, I wouldn't even have a conference tournament. Why even play the regular season if you're going to do that? Then just 
hey, our regular season champion's going. That's just the way it's, we're not doing a tournament. But it's all about money, man. That's that's the uh, sad quick, thing. Quick way to plug my podcast, Believe in the Ivy League. Ivy League had that up until about five years ago. It yeah. was regular season champion, went, and I loved it. Now they have four of the eight teams play in, in a tournament, and it's it's a disgrace. What You're, you're right. Who can they play on a neutral court? Tim. They play. They play in a neutral court. By the way, it's not neutral at all. It's on one of the campuses, right? And they play these tournaments, and the, and the regular season means nothing. It means nothing. Who cares if you're a one or a four seed? What difference does it make? Oh, the color of your jersey. Get out of here. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and if if you're a Harvard team and you had the best the best record all year and you get beat. You're not going. That, we already know that happened. We've seen it. We've seen it happen. Yep. Literally it's seen happened. it happen. That actually exactly happened. Yeah. When we come back from the timeout, hour two, Heat Wave Sports, we're going to stay with the college hoops because I want to kind of dig into some of these, not bubble teams, but we can say bubble teams. I think Tommy thinks has a chance to make a run deep into the tournament and maybe some possible – possible moneymakers here for you when you're looking at teams to, to ride through the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about that. We'll see what else we can dig up on this sports potpourri Sunday, a super Sunday here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Hour two of Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night, 10 o'clock. Yep, I know you're waiting for it. Except for next Saturday, right, Tom? Another <laughs> Vegas Golden Night game. But that's okay. That's okay, you know. We've got the Super Sunday Night Show next week, so make sure you tune in at 10 o'clock for that. Got the, uh, you want to be interactive with us? Twitter, at HW Sports, at Tom Barton Sports. If you still use the phone and call people, 876-1340. We always like to hear from our, our great, great listeners out there in radio land. Text Here's a text for you, Tommy. Top-notch radio from Tim and Tom in first hour. Thank you very much. Appreciate all the listeners. And we're going to continue with college basketball, Tom, because, you know. Is that go down this small? Top-notch, top-notch? Top-notch, top-notch, yep. <laughs> you go down this hole here of what's going to happen in the next few weeks. It really is going to be fun to watch. I don't want to necessarily clue in on the Alabamas and the Houstons and the UCLA's of the world. I want to kind of dig further down and I'll throw out some schools here and you tell me what you think is going to happen here. Can these schools be a legitimate, make a legitimate deep run in the tournament and not, not necessarily winning it, Tom, but you can still make money along the way with some of these programs that just people are just com- completely overlooking and what, what a good place to start with a team that you and I both liked in the preseason. And they went on this horrific losing streak. They lost six in a row at one point dropped completely out of the top 25. Well, guess what? They've clawed their way back into the top 20 I'm talking about Creighton, Tommy 17 and eight. They, they've went since that six, Six-game losing streak, and it was to some good programs. Since that loss, they have been pretty much damn near unbeatable at, since then. I think that Creighton is one of the top five best teams in the country right now. Ooh. Um, they are turning into exactly what I, I thought that they would be. 
And you mentioned their losses. Well, you know, they did have a bad stretch there. They did beat Texas Tech. They did go on the road and beat Arkansas. Then they lost to Arizona on the road, Texas on the road. Nebraska, who obviously is feisty, BYU at Arizona State, at Marquette. It was a tough road. Then they've come back and absolutely dominated this conference. I mean, they really have have just looked like, like they're playing a different kind of brand of basketball right now. Their big test is Tuesday. And, and I want to say right now that I believe that Marquette very, very well may be a top five team in the country, the way that they're playing. I am not sleeping on this Marquette team. I mean, this Creighton team. But I think Marquette could be one of those top five teams in the country also. I think the Big East is a little bit underrated this year. And they have a big battle Tuesday night. That is going to determine to me who am I believing. Who is the team out of these two that I want to back? I still like what Creighton brings to the table. I still think we're going to get a lot of a lot of value on Creighton. But if they lose to Marquette um, at home, playing as well as they are, they lose to Marquette here, Tim, they'll be battle-tested, but I got to pull back my expectations. Right now, I think they could still be a Final Four team. If they lose to Marquette, I'm pulling back my expectations quite a bit. Right now, you can bet Creighton to win the tournament, 30-1. to Marquette to win the tournament, Tom, 40-1. to are those live, live numbers there something you can make money on? Yeah, both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a wide open field this year. Like I said, you have the big 12 teams, okay? Uh, you, you have a couple of big time big 12 teams. But I like, and I've said this my entire radio career, I like battle-tested teams. I love teams that are battle-tested. This is why I used to always love when Syracuse would barely make it into the tournament and then I, I would go crazy on them, and you see them in the Elite Eight. Why? They're battle-tested. Creighton has played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. Creighton has played 11 of their 27 games against ranked opponents at the time. That's, that's remarkable. Marquette will make 12 on Tuesday. I, I mean, we're talking about battle, battle-tested. Marquette in the same boat. I mean, you look at Marquette and what they've done, uh, led by a really good scoring duel, and Marquette has got the same sort of resume here. Uh, you could get mad at them for, for losing early in the season at Purdue, you know, and, and Mississippi State and uh, uh, Wisconsin. They already beat Baylor, Tim, right? I mean, they, they beat Baylor. They beat everybody in their conference. They are not quite as battle-tested as Creighton, which is why I like Creighton a little bit more. Uh, but they're doing the job, and they are that kind of team. 30 to 1, 40 to 1, throw 100, 200 bucks on them, man, and you're going to be feeling real good come Sweet 16 time when you have a chance to hedge. What about the rest of the Big East? Xavier, Providence, UConn? Top Xavier's teams. a team that every... – go ahead. Sorry, Tim. Go ahead. I was going to say five teams in the top 25. Yeah, the Big East is a conference that you know I, I follow and I like a lot. Xavier's a team, year after year, I back this team. I back them in the tournament, and I always back them too far. If I think they're going to the Elite Eight, uh, you know, they're out two rounds early. If I think that they're going to the Final Four, which I thought a couple of years ago, I think they're going to the Final Four, they're disappointing. I'm not buying into the Xavier thing again. I, I think that they're good, and I think that they, you know, I mean, uh, to me, they're a, a solid three seed, right? They could, 
there, there are three seed, maybe a four. They have a couple of tests here with Nova, Seton Hall, Providence, and Butler left. I think they're a three seed, and I think that they could do well in the tournament. I think that you could be talking about Xavier as a Sweet 16 team. But Xavier, I'm not buying into them only because I've been burned so bad. Give you a couple West Coast teams. Tell me your thoughts on how far can they go. I'm not talking about winning this thing, but how far can they go? Tom, we'll start with the obvious. You used to see him in the right at the top of the the top 25 for the last decade with Gonzaga a little bit in strange place right now. They're they're not even in the top 10. They they currently sit at 13, five losses on the year. They do have losses against Texas, Purdue, and Baylor. All teams we talked about. Uh, earlier, a bad loss against Loyola Marymount, and now St. Mary's with one more game left to play on their home field. They just lost at St. Mary's uh, two weeks back, which is also a ranked team. So I guess I'll I'll, th- I'll throw it in the mix here. Gonzaga, long term here. What what's up? You know, nobody's talking about them. Can they can they make a surprise team in this tournament? No, no. The Gonzaga, I was down on them before the year, and I, I'm I'm down on them here. Their reliance upon one player is, is not their brand of basketball. This is not the Gonzaga team that was going to make a run. This is not Gonzaga that, you know, is kind of just cleaning up on a decent conference. No, the conference caught up to them. I'll make a bold prediction and say, because I do like what St. Mary's is doing. I think St. Mary's goes further in the tournament than Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga is ripe for the picking. I think they are going to be way overpriced and way overbet because of the name Gonzaga Mark Few, you could just see by his press conference, he knows this isn't the team. You know, they'll be good, but he knows this isn't that team. I think St. Mary's has a squat shot at the Sweet 16. I don't think Gonzaga does. About the Mountain West, what a resurgence in, in, in uh, New Mexico. 20 wins now. Utah State has 21. The Wolfpack with Steve Alford, my guy, Tom, 20 wins again this year. Boise's at 21. But San Diego State, the only team ranked in the top 25, also at 21 wins. How many bids does the Mountain West get? And what team's going to go the furthest if it's more than one? Oof. San Diego State is in. Um, uh, I have to think Boise State is in right now. Uh, but, uh, look, they got four games left. I don't – I don't know. I don't – I don't think – that they have to beat San Diego State, okay, which is uh, next Tuesday. I don't think that they have to beat San Diego State, but I don't think you can drop anything. I, I don't think you could go one and three here and, and punch your ticket. So I'll say San Diego State gets in. I think Boise does enough to get in. I, I'm going to give them three bids. Even though New Mexico and Nevada have 20, Utah State has 21, I don't think they all get in. I'm going to give them I, I I almost begrudgingly want to give him three. I'm being generous. I, you know, I can't give him three, Tim. I'm going to give him two bids. Two big conference. It, it, it should be three. I'm not saying it shouldn't be three. It should be three. But I think it's a two big conference. You look at, you know, a team like Utah State. They only have three games left. They're going to Wyoming, to UNLV against Boise State. If they go three and zero, you got an argument. I just don't see them going three and zero. You have New Mexico again, San Diego State, Fresno State, at Colorado State. New Mexico could go three and zero, but games that are going to hurt them is they they got their doors blown up by Wyoming. They also lost four of the last five, right? So I don't think New Mexico is going to be able to do enough to get in. So we're basically talking about Nevada, 
at Fresno State, winnable game, very winnable game. Um, they just beat them by 11. At Wyoming, certainly winnable game. And then UNLV. I think Nevada is going to be the question mark. I think San Diego State gets in, obviously, the top 25 team. I think that Boise State gets in. I think they do enough. And I think that enough means two and two, 23 wins, maybe 24. If they go three and one, I think they're in. Nevada is going to be the question mark. What if Nevada, the Wolfpack, haha, jokes on us, right? Reno, Tommy, the armpit of Nevada, haha, another 21 year. Where you at, UNLV? Could have had him. Could have had Steve Alford here. I'll bring that up until the day he gets fired in Reno. I'll bring that up, Tom. I really will. But let's think about it. What if, what if the Wolfpack win the Mountain West tournament? They they've beaten Boise this year. They've beaten San Diego State this year. It's not. They just beat New Mexico in a, in a great basketball game. Actually, a really fun one to watch. So it's not beyond that realm that this could happen. Especially, I I, I will be interested to see how the the Nevada fans travel since it's you know eight hours away. So what if they win the Mountain West tournament here in a couple of weeks? Does that bump a Boise State out? No, get- that's my path. That's my path to three. Okay. You know, I'm I'm struggling. You hear me struggling with the two and the three. Um, but my my path to three is San Diego State's in. Okay, we don't talk about them. My path to three is that Boise State goes three and one here. They go they're, they're end off at twenty four and seven. They have a decent tournament run. Okay, win two games. Nevada wins it, even though their number might not be great. I think I think they Boise State goes in. I, I I think there's a path to three teams in the Mountain West, but I think they're only going to get two. By the way, this could all go sideways, Tim. Right? I mean, it's not out of the realm that Boise State goes one and three. It's not crazy. Right. You're know, looking at their schedule. It's not crazy that Nevada goes two and two. And 22 wins is not impressive in, in today's, you know, game. Uh, it's not out of the question that Utah State loses at UNLV and, and, and against Boise State, and they have 22 wins. It's not out of the question that New Mexico continues their slide. And they only get 21, 22 wins. It's not out of the question that San Diego State goes on and wins the Mountain West, and it's a one big conference. I, you asked me, I said, I think, two. there's a path to three. There's also a path to one. <laughs> Right. So much it is part of the criteria of how the teams played in their last X amount of games building up to selection Sunday. So, yeah, it could definitely go go south on them there. But I'd rather it's. And that's the thing you brought up New Mexico, Tim. New Mexico's look like garbage for two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're seven and seven in conference play. There's no way they're putting New Mexico in if they're under 500 in conference play. So, the next couple of games for New Mexico is really, really, really important. At Boise, I don't think they win that game Wednesday. San Diego State, I don't think they win that game Saturday. You know, so then you have Fresno State, Colorado State. Are you putting in a team that is nine and nine in conference with 22 wins? No. New Mexico's out. Yeah. I could sell it, say the same thing about Utah State and Nevada. They need they need to win it, right? They need to win it. Yeah, I or think New Mexico is effectively eliminated unless they win it all. I think it's Utah State or Nevada have the same resume. Uh, and, and Boise State, really. All three of them have the same resume. You know, you've got to win, you know, at least not – you don't have to go three and one, but you, you pretty much – got to 
you only have one more loss. Boise State, Nevada, and Utah State can only get one more loss unless they win the tournament. Pac-12, Arizona, UCLA, put them in. So that leaves you, Tom, with USC, 19 and 8, 11 wins in the conference. Arizona State, 19 wins, 10 in the conference. And then Utah, uh, 17 wins, 10 in conference. So are we talking about four? Give us the Arizonas and the L.A. schools here. Um, I think it all depends on this week with Utah. If Utah takes down UCLA on Thursday and they're at home, right, um, and then they take on USC at home on Saturday, Tim, Utah can, could force the, the topic here, right? Mm-hmm. How are you going to put UC, USC in? And and USC, by the way, has at Colorado, at Utah, Arizona, Arizona State to finish this off. Arizona State obviously has a tough Arizona. Arizona State has the clearest path to punching their ticket and not even have to worry about any tournament or anything. They're at Arizona. That will absolutely boost them up if they win that game. At UCLA and at USC. Arizona State is, is they're playing their for their championship lives over the next three games. They go 0-3, they're out. I mean, it's just that simple. Go 0-3, that's 10-10 in conference, that's 19 wins, you're out. If you win two of them, you're in. You don't even have to win all three. Two, and you're in. If you win all three, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about a dangerous team. I don't know if one win gets them in. Arizona State is the most interesting team to me for this last uh, you know, week of the season, week and a half of the season. I think they, they are the most interesting team in the country. Because at 19 wins, I'm not sure who this team is, but I do know that I'm going to know, you know, by the end of this. 200 to one, Tom, to win the tournament. I don't, I don't think they're winning the tournament, but that 200 to one, there's got to be. I don't think they're winning any of the games. I think they go, <laughs> nah, maybe at USA. I think they, you know what? I'll go on a limb. I'm going to say they're going to go 0-3 here, Tim. Okay. They, that's, I mean, that would be indicative of kind of the, the ups and downs of the schedule. If you look at Arizona State this year, just like you said, they're very interesting to watch because they look good and then they look absolutely abysmal. It's it's really weird. But I mean, for anybody, for the best team in the country, take it on UCLA and Arizona back-to-back on the road mm-hmm. in your final home game against USC on senior night and everything? I, I, I don't see it. So to me, look, UCLA, Arizona are in, Tim. Right, you want this to be a four bid conference. This could be a three bid conference, though. If Arizona State goes crazy and they go zero and three, and Utah, like I said, they, they have a tough road. They go zero and three. You're not putting Arizona State and Utah in. It, it becomes a three bid conference. Let's look. At the, let's look at the Big Ten real quick here, Tom. And, uh, we'll just kind of put you on the fence with some of these bubble. We'll call them the bubblers. If you look at the conference as a whole, look, Minnesota's not in. They're not going anywhere. Ohio State's not going anywhere. Nebraska, no. Penn State, below 500 conference record. Keep them out. Wisconsin, I think you say the same thing for. So if you start back up at the top, Purdue's in, Northwestern's in, Indiana's in, Iowa, Maryland. So that leaves us with these teams like Rutgers, Michigan, Illinois, Michigan State. Is, is Michigan in with 15 wins, Tom? Uh, I don't think so. And they can't do much to make it up. I mean, they have three road games, but no, none overly impressive. Indiana at the end of the year. Uh, but I'm looking at their schedule. 
you know, and, and again, I like road wins. Now they did beat Northwestern on the road. Okay. But that's kind of it. You know, you go up and down, lost to North Carolina, lost to Michigan state, lost to Iowa on the road, lost to, to, you know, Northwestern on the road. You got to go all the way, all the way back. And you're talking about lost to Arizona state on the road. They beat Pitt on the road back in November. That's their best road win. I think Michigan's out, Tim. Here, now, here's the thing. You go 4-0 these last four games, get you to 19 wins, and you beat Indiana on the road on selection weekend, okay, maybe you could force your way in. But there's no room for error for Michigan here. They have to go 4-0. I don't think 3-1 and one gets them in. I know this topic is always met with debate from our friends, Tommy, that are Izzo fans, but Michigan State, 16 wins barely over 500 in the conference they have to be out as well absolutely same 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 thing now you look at them and you go same problem on the road they, they don't have that dynamic win now you could say oh they beat ohio state they beat michigan this weekend well i mean well they lost to michigan this weekend um but they have our, our indiana yeah indiana's at home this week guys on tuesday then they go to iowa to nebraska all right and then finish off it against Ohio State. I'll say this about Michigan State. Same thing as Michigan. You go 4-0 with a win against Indiana, two road wins, one against Iowa. You go 4-0, get me to the 20 wins. I think Michigan State will get in. But anything short of that, I think they're I think they're fighting for their tournament lives on Tuesday. At home, you can't lose to Indiana. Because then you can't get a 21 season in the regular season. So to me, Michigan State got to win on Tuesday. Well, you're done. I think you put Illinois and Rutgers in that same boat as well, right, Tom? Same same criteria that we just talked about. Well, Illinois can really bolster. Here's the thing with Illinois. They only have 17 wins, Tim, right? But they have five games left, not four. They also have games against Purdue and Northwestern left, which will be two top 25 teams. They go to Purdue. They also go to Ohio State. So Illinois is interesting because they have the extra game, okay, and they take on two very potential huge boosting kind of um, schedule makers, right? So Illinois is is in a good boat. Rutgers doesn't have that privilege. Rutgers has Michigan at home, Penn State on the road, Minnesota on the road. So they can get to 20 wins before finally taking on Northwestern. That Northwestern game might be the difference maker. I think Rutgers is a crazy story here. Because we know Illinois has the route, okay? Um, their their direction is very clear, but I think it's going to be difficult for them to beat Northwestern and Purdue. I think Rutgers has a better case at the when we're talking on Selection Sunday. I think Rutgers will have a better case than Michigan, Michigan State, and Illinois. I want to dive into the SEC real quick, and then. Tom, if you had any other schools you wanted to bring up that we left out here, but would you look at, and I know you had brought up Kentucky earlier, Tennessee. So Bama, number one team in the country, 23 and four, A&M sitting at 20 wins or 12 and 12 and two in the conference, Auburn, Arkansas. Would you say this is definitely uh, seven bid territory? Although Vandy, look, Vandy's 15 wins. Half of the, more than half of those are in conference, so it kind of puts I think that puts them on the bubble a little bit here. But is, is this a six, seven, six for sure, seven maybe? 
Yeah, absolutely. Because you have a Mississippi State team with 18 wins, Tim. That I know they're down on the conference rankings, but you're going to keep out an SEC team that wins 21 games, 22 games? You know, you have them. Uh, you have Arkansas. You're going to keep out an Arkansas team uh, that has 18 wins? But I will say this for Arkansas. Arkansas is very much like, you know, like, like I just said about Illinois. The proving ground is the last couple of games. Now they get Georgia on Tuesday. Okay, that'll bring them to 19 wins. Tim, listen to the final three games they have at Alabama, at Tennessee versus Kentucky. I, I mean, yeah. if you beat Georgia, you got 19 wins, but you have to win one of those games, which will boost you up. You got to win at Alabama, at Tennessee, or or against Kentucky, and preferably one of the road games. So I'm not writing them off. So Alabama's in, Texas A&M's in, Tennessee's in, Kentucky's in, Auburn's in, Missouri's in, Arkansas is in. If they they do what they they, how do you leave off of Mississippi? I know you're talking about Vandy, but how do you leave off of Mississippi, Tim? 18 yeah. wins. They they could finish off with 21, 22 wins in the SEC. I I think that this is a guaranteed guaranteed six-bid conference. I would say it is a seven-bid conference that has a route to eight bids. It's going to be a fun tournament to watch. That The Big 12, the SEC, Big East, all must-watch TV in, in the next two weeks. So. Anybody that's not paying attention, man, Missouri has been one of the hardest teams to to navigate around, man. They, they, they are... Woo, they are a fun team. They're either scoring 85 or they're scoring 60. Like, there's no in-between with them at all. Missouri's a fun team. And this Arkansas team, we will find every I, – I love looking at schedules and going, ooh, I don't know about this team right now, but I'm going to know in three games. We will know everything we need to know about Arkansas in the next three games. They could go into the tournament, Tim, as the team that people are like, you know what, they might win it all. And you're telling me if if – Arkansas goes out there, and they go and they beat Alabama on the road, Tennessee on the road, and then Kentucky. You're telling me people aren't going to be sitting there talking about Arkansas being being a top, you know, Final Four team? Of course they are. Yeah. Did we leave any schools that you want to bring up off the list so far? Well, you know, I, I want to touch on the Big East real quick. I know we talked uh, about Marquette. And Xavier and Creighton, I don't think, and this is no, no fault of yours, but I don't think people are giving UConn the credit that they deserve. Mm-hmm. UConn is an absolute dynamic team. A dynamic team that went on the road, by the way, early in the year, on the road and beat Alabama. Number one team in the country. They didn't beat them, Tim. They they destroyed them, won by 15 points. They went on the road and beat Oregon. I know it wasn't, look, Oregon's not having a great year. Still a really good road win. They went on the road and beat Florida. Right? They went. They, this is a team that went out of conference on the road and didn't beat teams. They destroyed teams on the road. So they've had a couple of hiccups here with a red hot Creighton team. But this is gonna. This is a twenty win team right now. They got Providence on Wednesday at home. I think they win that game. They got St. John's, DePaul, Villanova. They're gonna win twenty four games in the regular season. This is a top 20 team that is getting no recognition. They went into Alabama, into Oregon. They went out of conference and won those games. No one's talking about UConn. UConn could win this whole thing. Could be a futures play, right, Tom? Just like you did years ago. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just – the Big East, I'm so enamored with the Big East because I knew they were going to be good. I didn't think they were going to be this good. And it's hard to gauge, you know, teams within their own conference, how they match up. And I could make an argument for UConn, Creighton, and Marquette right now. And, and really, we talked about Creighton was 30 to 1, Marquette was 40 to 1. So Providence, uh, UConn, who am I leaving out of this group of five here? Xavier. Xavier. Tom, they're all 50 to 1 or more. So if you if you want to like if you think the Big East can make a run here, this is the time to bet those teams because once the field is solidified, right, Tom? Even if all five are in, those odds will drop dramatically. So this is the time to bet them. All right, Tim. Can 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 I get can I get a six team? Can I get a Seton Hall in this thing? Let me make the argument. Yeah, make Seton Hall's got sixteen wins. They still have Xavier, Villanova, and at Providence left. Right. They're gonna that that would be 19 wins in an SEC. They they have losses to Kansas and Oklahoma. They you know they have some big time losses. They don't have that signature out of conference win. I, I will tell you they don't have that. Um, but 19 wins in a Big East, 19 wins and at the end you know the end of the year they could beat a Xavier, Villanova, and a Providence. I think there's a road for Seton Hall to get in. I don't think they do it, but there's a road. And the same thing with. with you know, um, with a couple of these teams, when you look at it, you go, there's a road for them to get in. I don't think they do. I think there's a, a clear five-bid conference, but it is an interesting scenario. The other team that I want to throw out here real quick, I know we're up against a break, is DePaul, right? DePaul, you look at and you go, ah, they're not making it. No, they're not making the tournament. But they take on Marquette, UConn, and Creighton the last three games of the year. So DePaul's not making the tournament. But DePaul could kind of decide the tournament before they go in, right? Marquette, UConn, Creighton, whoever you know has a good finale here is going to get that one seed. They're going to look so much better. They're all making the tournament. It's a matter of where do you put the Big East? Are they three seeds, four seeds, or can they nab a one or a two? I think what people forget too, Tom, is that you know I throw these odds out there, and this is to win the NCAA tournament. Obviously, you want to look for your your spots to to maybe hedge against that number. And if you like Seton Hall, right, Tom? If you feel like they have a run in them, and they can just qualify to get in that field of sixty, whatever. Look, they're three hundred to one to win, Tom. They're not winning the tournament, but could they get in the tournament and win a game or maybe two? It's possible, and there's money to be made there. Big East is crazy. I'd rather take a shot at at the UConn, Creighton, Marquette. I I, I like. I, I, I really like the 30, 40, 50 to ones. Oof, you got me thinking now. I'm going to have to <laughs> open up my bank account a little bit here. <laughs> We're going to take the last time out here on a Super Sunday night. More sports potpourri to come. I, I do want to touch on training camps opening in, in or spring training, Major League Baseball training camps opening. A couple of NFL news and notes from the past week as well. All on the other side of this timeout. It's Heatwave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. And Horton wasting no time. He's going to the Duke. The Duke leads 
leads the league in saves, strikeouts per inning, and hit batsman. This guy threw at his own kid in a father-son game. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Get to some Major League Baseball here in a second. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton. Heat Wave Sports on a super Sunday night. I do want to just real quickly, Tommy, I know, right? Can't we go a week without talking about the NFL? No, apparently not. But just how you see at the end of the season, teams get raided from their coaching staff. So literally in since this game has ended, we've seen the Philly. Philly was just completely the cupboard's bare now. They the OC gone, DC gone, right? Quarterback coach. KC also, they're looking for a new OC as the enemy finally has left that that uh, franchise. So just a lot of movement from the teams that are involved in the final game. And I, I know we've it's become common commonplace here over the last few years, but I think it's you know worthy to be talk about at least, especially in the enemy situation. Now going to Washington to work for Ron Rivera, Tom. What do you what do you think happened here? Was it just he was never going to be that guy in KC? So hey, I might as well try to find somewhere else that maybe I can take over. No, I, I honestly, I, I look. People are gonna call me naive. This has nothing to do with racism or any of that. This has to do with the fact that he doesn't call the, his plays. So you have to, have to, have to prove yourself. And I know what people are gonna say. Oh, Peterson didn't call his own plays. He didn't have to prove himself. And Nagy didn't. Yeah, but Matt Nagy ruined it for everybody, didn't he? Like, once you see that and you go, oh, he's an offensive genius. Oh, no, actually, he's just riding Andy Reid's coattails. So Eric Bionami, who I've screamed for years should get a head coaching job. Um, by the way, I've screamed for years that he should have won the Heisman instead of uh, Ty Detmer that year, right? But Eric Bionami is a guy that he's got to prove that he's not just an offensive coordinator because of Andy Reid. He's not just Matt Nagy, who is just, was, I mean, literally didn't call plays. So Eric Bieniemy goes to Washington, takes over an offense that is bad. It's just flat out a bad offense. He takes over a quarterback that most people are thinking is a bad quarterback with a bad offensive line, with bad things going on, and he's going to go, I'm going to call the plays. If he could make Washington even somewhat relevant, people are going to go, okay, it's time for him to have the chance, right? That's that's the reality of this. It. You want to say that has racial overtones. You want to bang on the table for that. I get it. Okay, I do. It's frustrating why the enemy isn't getting a job. But a lot of this has to do with Matt Nagy ruined it, right? I mean, it, he just flat out ruined it for everybody else. He didn't call the plays. Eric Bannemi doesn't call the plays. So if you're going to throw all this heap and praise on Andy Reid, it's going to take away from you in some respects. He had to break away become his own man, so to speak, and prove to everybody, hey, you know what? Look, I can do this without him, and watch what I can do. You brought up Matt Nagy. He essentially takes back that spot, right? He'll be the OC on paper in Kansas City next year. Right, and he did well for what he was. I mean, you know, that that what he was and how he did that, he did well for that. I think he was the worst offensive coordinator in the history of offensive coordinators. Okay, I mean, uh, head coach in the history of head coaches, but that doesn't mean he can't be a good offensive coordinator, right? I mean, Matt Nagy was a disaster with the Bears. Doesn't mean he can't be a good a good offensive coordinator. Some guys are just built to be coordinators, and that's fine. That's okay. You know, do what you want to do and do do it well. 
But Eric Bieniemy wants bigger and better things, so he's going to move on. Uh, yeah, the Kansas City's not. This is the problem. My next sentence is not meant to sound derogatory, but it will. Kansas City is not losing a lot. They're going to be fine without Eric Bieniemy, and that's partially the reason why he's not a head coach somewhere, because that statement is true. They'll be fine without him. And really, if you look at the the background of it. Look, Pat Mahomes has a, a relationship with Matt Nagy anyway, so it's not like they're bringing in somebody completely different. At the end of the day, Andy Reid has the final stamp of approval on that offense. So let's just look at it for what it is, right, Tom? Right, exactly. And that that's what I mean. You know, you go into a spot with Matt Nagy, you go into a spot with the best quarterback in the NFL, and right now the best coach in the NFL, right, as of right now, um, yeah, they're, they're going to be fine. They're going to be just fine. A couple other moves, uh, offensive coordinator situation. What about Bill O'Brien being officially the guy, Tom, in New England? We've seen it happen before, and it worked. I, I think it's another good move. You know, Bill O'Brien, for all his faults, look at what he did to Houston, right? I mean, for all his faults, uh, people like to use this against him. Oh, he was up by 20 points at the half against Patrick Mahomes, and he lost the lead. Yeah, but he was up by 20 points against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, right? With Houston, um, he was a terrible general manager, trading away Watson and, and Hopkins and all the nonsense. He was a terrible general manager, but he's not a bad coach. And under Bill Belichick, he is going to rein him in, he's going to be able to control him, and he's going to be able to let him focus on just what he does well which is be an offensive coordinator. I agree. And I think that whole experiment with, I don't even know what they had last year with Patricia and the other guy, they weren't, they didn't have a, a, a technically a, an offensive coordinator, right, Tom? They just had former coaches in, in roles. So. Former defensive coaches, Tim. Yeah. Right. Right. Calling plays, right? Like really? Yeah. So I'm on board for that. And, and you know, when you really look at, the NFL and the quarterback league that it is. I, I, you know what? Mac Jones is kind of coming up to that. I think this is the year, right? If it, if he doesn't take that next step, you, get, you really got to go a different direction. But maybe Bill O'Brien's the guy that can simplify that offense and make Mac Jones step up from where he, he kind of regressed last year, let's be honest. But it could have been because of who he was around. I mean, you know, let's, let's be real about it. Did you say Mac Jones? You said Mac Jones, Tim? Because there's a lot of reports coming out of New England that says Bailey Zappi. I don't know about that, man. I'm just saying. There's a lot of reports saying that Bill O'Brien prefers Bailey Zappi. Okay. That, that is something to watch, watching the camps. What, what about what about my Ravens, man? Todd Monken. What do you think about that? I think the Ravens... Uh, generally as an organization <laughs> sounds stupid during the Lamar situation, but as an organization, they make, they make good moves. Um, I think they make very smart and very, very, very good moves where you go. Okay. I get it. I get where you're going with that. Right. Monken's not, no, look, he's no uh, spring chicken. Right. But he's got extensive, extensive history. People always go back to just looking at at the last NFL job, right? Last NFL job, offensive coordinator. That, that's it. Okay, but wait a minute. 
He was the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator for the championship Georgia Bulldogs, right? Offensive coordinator for the Bucks, offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach. I'm telling you this for a reason. Quarterbacks coach, wide receivers coach, passing game coordinator. This is in his career. Running backs coach, defensive back and wide receiver coach all the way back in his early year. Wow. So he's not only been an offensive coordinator, he's also been a quarterbacks coach, wide receiver coach, running back coach, even a defensive back coach. He's really well-versed, Tim. Um, I think he's going to get the best out of this team, but I wonder what direction he's going to take it because this this is not an offensive coordinator job that you could walk in and say, I'm going to institute my system because your system is Lamar. And Lamar's capabilities and inabilities also play into it. Yeah. I, I, I saw a lot of people that were questioning it because – Look, he hadn't been in the NFL in four years, and he wasn't ever in that. You know, they run in Cleveland. <laughs> Look, it's Cleveland. What, what can we say about it? It was one season under Freddie Kitchens. I mean, there's not really much we can say other than it was, look, a job is a job. But I, I saw a lot of uh, fans, put it that way, fans upset that all these names that were coming out at the end of the year, including the B enemies didn't even get an interview. I'm like, they kind of, I think they already knew who they wanted, Tommy. They, they knew he, they circled this for a while and look, I'm all for it. What he did at Georgia in the last two years, cannot argue it. He, he was able to score points. So if he can bring that element to this offense and, and beef up what has been just a Achilles heel for the last 10 years in that they just need a couple receivers and, and bring Lamar back. And now you, you know, you stay healthy, which is a big if in this league, but if you stay healthy and you work it around what they have existing plus, you know, ride uh, Dobbins till, till, till the wheels fall off. I think, you know, you're, you're talking about right back there in the mix next year, because I think that they do need to, they became so one dimensional Tommy, which isn't bad sometimes if you can't stop it, but you got to be able to make big plays when they're big downs and they just couldn't do it at the end of the year. Yeah. And Tim, you know, I, I think getting back to your B enemy situation, um, a lot of people are going to say, well, he was in, he was in it for Baltimore. I thought that was a terrible idea for, for him to go to Baltimore. Horrendous idea because if he went to Baltimore and he had success, Tim, what are they going to say? Well, it's Lamar Jackson. It's not a real offense. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. you know, that's what he's going to say. So, yeah, I thought it was a, 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 a just a, an awful idea for him to go to Baltimore. Uh, I think they needed somebody that understood what he was getting into, and I think they did a good job there. A few minutes left. Let's close on some our favorite sport, Tom, Major League Baseball. We got the camps are open. We're able to see all the guys enjoying their their winters, Tommy, in Florida and Arizona. So we we'll work. We're a week away from the first games, and then look, it's full, full tilt. Where we've been waiting for, we've been in a couple fantasy traps already. It's baseball time, Tom. It's it's the spring, you know. It's this is our time. Full tilt, and we already are a mess. <laughs> We're already a disaster. Nestor Cortez injured, will not pitch in the World Baseball Classic. Clayton Kershaw pulled himself out. That was for insurance reasons. Apparently, he's 100% healthy, but they pulled he pulled out. Jacob DeGrom did not last an hour in Texas without being pulled out of the game. That was a problem. Frankie Montas for the New York Yankees 
arm surgery out for most of the year. Tim, pitchers and catchers basically reported and went right on the injured reserve <laughs> list. I mean, holy moly. But, and big names, big names. Good good trade there, Tommy, for Montes. That, that worked out well for you, man. Uh, another Cashman gem. Yeah. Three guys for Lou Trevino. <laughs> I think, you know, yeah, it is funny. Like, literally, camp had been open 10 minutes and somebody's already hurt. But And it's the guys that you knew were going to be. I mean, well, not not Cortez. But you had to know that, that Brian Cashman was a moron. I mean, we knew that, number one. You had to know that Jacob deGrom was going down. And you knew that they were not going to allow Kershaw to pitch in the World Baseball Classic. Nice try, Kershaw. But, you know, look, I, you can't you can't pitch more than 25 games anyway. You talked about fantasy leagues. I earned Kershaw in every league. And I'm like, good. I don't want to pitch. This is the problem with the with the World Baseball Classic. I'm ecstatic that he's not pitching in it. How do you feel about the this classic? Right it's dab garbage. in the middle of spring. Yeah, it's- Terrible, isn't it? Garbage. Pure and utter garbage. It's one of the worst ideas baseball's had. It's stupid. It makes no sense at all. And then you got morons like Carlos Correa running around after he won for Puerto Rico the first time. He said, This is more important to me than than a a championship. What? (laughs) That was the day that you you, you're like, okay, enough of this. It is a farce. It it's ridiculous. It means nothing. I I don't know one person to look. I know a lot of baseball fans. I am in the the baseball place in the world, right? The New York, the, the tri-state area. It's as good on the East Coast as it is anywhere else in the world, baseball. I don't know one person that will watch these games, care about them, other than just to have baseball. Nobody cares. Nobody's running around like, oh, by the way, four years ago, you know, USA won, Puerto Rico won. Nobody, nobody cares. Apparently, Carlos Correa cares, but nobody worth their salt cares. I mean, come on. It's a farce. Watch what happens. Somebody's going to get hurt, too. Some, some oh, yeah, will get absolutely. hurt. Screw them. Completely get screwed. You know, knock on wood, Tommy. Hopefully, it's not Trout or Otani if you're Angel fans. but I can't believe that, <laughs> that the Angels would let either one of these guys play in that game. No. Like, excuse me. You guys have made a glass. <laughs> <laughs> You're staying home. Could you imagine? Uh, you know, God forbid, but Otani, something happens to him in the in the World Baseball Classic, and he's up for the lar- large. Look, he's going to get the most loses a billion dollars. Yeah, he's going to have the most highest contract at the end of the season for a player. He could legitimately lose about a billion dollars, Tim. Yeah, I'd be like, look, I know you want to play for uh, Japan, but no, you're not playing for him. Sorry. No, no. You're talking. I- I'm not joking. With a B. You're, you, he could lose a billion. His contract's going to be about a half a billion. And then you talk yeah. about endorsements and everything. Oh, no, no, no. Shohei Otani, by playing in this farce of a tournament, could lose a billion dollars. Tim, who's the guy? Uh, this is a good question that, that I, I was asked two days ago. And I was like, you know, that's a great question. Who is the guy that you think has the most to gain from doing well in the tournament. I don't even know how to answer that. Tell you the truth. There's nobody. (laughs) That was my answer. My answer was nobody. My answer was there's only downside. 
There's no upside. What is the upside of winning the tournament or playing well in the tournament? There's no upside. There's only downside. I might not watch a game, to tell you the truth. So I have no interest in it. You're going to watch it. It's baseball. You're going to watch it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy, let everybody know. I watched the XFL in a quarter of the NBA All-Star game. You know I'm watching it. Yeah, you're right. I, I, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Let everybody know about the website, the podcast, all that's going on with Tom Barton. Guys, go check me out. It's TomBartonSports.com. I got a new member uh, that said they heard me on the radio, and I don't know if it was this radio show, but listen, remember, if you tell me that you hear me on Heatwave Sports at TomBartonSports.com, I give you an extra week onto your membership. So I normally give out 30 days. 30 days of plays, TomBartonSports.com. You get 37 if you tell me that you're listening in right now. That's TomBartonSports.com. Go check me out, Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter, Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. Check out my podcast, Wagering Week. And those that are trying to get an advantage, Believe in the Ivy League and Believe in Betting are the podcast. All right, Tom. Have a good sports week, my friend. We'll talk to you next weekend. I'll see you next Sunday, guys. For Tommy Barton, Ryan, Tim Unglesby, like I said, have a great sports week. We're back at it next Sunday night at 10 o'clock for your Super Sunday Night Edition of Heat Wave Sports, only on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night.